Chapter Three What Sammy Sings with the Birds. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. What Sammy Sings with the Birds by Johanna Spirey. Chapter Third Another Life. One morning, a few days later, Marianne was so tired she couldn't get up. Sammy sat beside her, waiting for her to be fully awake in order to go into the kitchen and make the coffee. His grandmother opened her eyes once and fell asleep again. She had never done anything like this before. Now she was really awake. She tried to raise herself up a little, then took Sammy by the hand and said in a low voice, "'Sammy, listen to me. I must tell you something. See, when I am no longer with you, I have no one else here and are an entire stranger.' But there, over the mountains, you have relatives, and you must return to them. Melon will tell you how to get there. You must go to Zweisimen. There ask for the sergeant, your cousin, who lives in the house with the big pear-trees near it. Tell him your grandmother was the sergeant's Marianne, and your father was Sammy. Work hard and willingly, and you will have to earn your living." there in the chest is some money in the little bag take it it is yours don't spend it foolishly sammy think of what you promised me don't neglect to pray it will bring you comfort and happiness which you will need try to associate with god-fearing people and live with them then you will learn only good go now sammy and call herr milan i must talk with him Sammy went and came back with the man of the house. He stepped up to Mary Ann's bed and tried to encourage her as that was his way. But he was alarmed at her appearance and wanted to go for the doctor, as he told her. But she held him fast and tried with great difficulty to express herself in his language, for she had only a scanty knowledge of it. Milan nodded his head understandingly and then hurried away. When he returned to the room a couple of hours later with the doctor, Sammy was still sitting in the same place by the bed, waiting very quietly for his grandmother to wake up again. The doctor drew near the bed, then spoke with Milan a while, and finally came to Sammy. He told him his grandmother would never wake again, that she was dead. Milan was a good man. He said he himself would go with Sammy part of the way until he found someone who could talk with him and take him further. But he must put all his belongings together in a bundle. Then the two men went away. After a while, the young woman of the house came, for the forsaken boy had deeply aroused her sympathy. She found Sammy still sitting in the same place by the bed. He was looking steadfastly at his grandmother and weeping piteously. The woman spoke to him, but he did not understand her. Then she took everything out of the cupboard and drawers, packed them into a bundle, and showed Sammy that he was to eat the bread and milk on the table. Sammy swallowed the milk obediently, but the woman put the bread in his pocket. Then she led the boy once more to the bed, that he might take his grandmother's hand in farewell. Sammy obeyed, still sobbing, and let himself be led away by the woman. Herr Milan was already waiting beside his little cart in which lay Sammy's bundle. 
the boy understood that he was to draw the cart but he knew not where he wept softly to himself for it seemed to him as if he were going out into the wilderness where he would be wholly alone milan went on ahead of him it was the same way sammy had often gone with his grandmother down to latour when he came to the wall by the brook he sobbed aloud how lovely it had been there with his grandmother he could not see the way because of his falling tears but he heard herr milan's heavy step in front of him and he followed after at the little station house above the vine-covered church milan stopped soon after the train came puffing along milan got in and pulled sammy after him and they started away sammy crouched in a corner and did not stir they travelled thus for an hour sammy did not understand a word that was spoken around him although several times one and another tried to talk with him a little for the softly weeping boy had indeed awakened their sympathy the train stopped again milan got out and sammy followed him they went a short distance together and then milan stepped to the left into a large garden and then into the house here he talked a while with the man of the house who from time to time looked pityingly at sammy then milan took sammy's hand shook it and left him behind alone in the big room after some time the man of the house came back and a sturdy fellow behind him the latter began to talk in sammy's own language he wanted to console the boy and said he would soon go on in a carriage then sammy asked if he was his cousin and if this was the village of Swaysimen. but the fellow laughed loudly and said he was no cousin but a servant here in the inn and the place was called Eigel. sammy would have to travel an hour longer and would not reach Swaysimen before twelve o'clock at night but there was a coachman here from interlaken who had to go back and would take him along the man of the house had bread and eggs brought for sammy and when he said he wasn't hungry he put everything kindly into the boy's pocket then he led the boy out outside stood a large coach with two horses and high up on the top sat the driver no one was inside sammy was lifted up the driver placed him next to himself and drove away at any other time this would have pleased sammy very much but now he was too sad he kept thinking of his grandmother who could no longer talk with him and would never wake again after some time the driver began to talk to him sammy had to tell him where he came from and to whom he was going he told him everything how he had lived with his grandmother how she had fallen asleep early that day and did not wake up again and that he was going to find a cousin in Swaysimen, and would have to live with him. Sammy's childish description touched the driver so deeply that he finally said, It will be too late when we reach there. You must stay with me tonight. Then, when he saw Sammy's eyes close with the approaching twilight, and only open again when they went over a stone, and the two of them up on the box were jounced almost dangerously against each other, he grasped the boy firmly, lifted him up and slipped him backwards into the coach here he fell at once fast asleep and when he finally opened his eyes again the sun was shining brightly in his face he was lying in his clothes on a huge big bed in a room with white walls in all his life he had never seen such walls he looked around in consternation then the coachman of the day before came
in the door. "'Have you had your sleep out?' he said, laughing. "'Come and have some coffee with me. Then I will take you to your cousin. Someone else must carry your bundle. It is too heavy for you.' Sammy followed him into the coffee-room. Here the good man kept pouring out coffee for the boy, but Sammy could neither eat nor drink. When the coachman had finished his breakfast, he rose and started with Sammy on the way to the sergeant's house. It was not far. At the house in the meadow among the pear trees he laid Sammy's bundle down, shook him by the hand, and said, "'Well, good luck to you. I have nothing to do in there, and have farther to go.' Sammy thanked him for all his kindness, and gazed after his benefactor, until he disappeared behind the trees. Then he knocked on the door. A woman came out, looked in amazement first at the boy, then at his big bundle, and said rudely, "'Where have you come from with all your household goods?' Sammy informed her where he had come from, and that his grandmother was Mary Ann, and his father Sammy. Meanwhile three boys had come running up to them, placed themselves directly in front of him, and were looking at him from top to toe with wide open eyes. This embarrassed Sammy exceedingly. "'Bring your father out,' said the mother to one of her boys. Their father was sitting inside at the table, eating his breakfast. "'What's the matter now?' he growled. "'There is someone here who claims to be a relative of yours. He doesn't know where he is going,' exclaimed his wife. "'He can come in to me. Perhaps I can tell him if I know.' replied the man, without moving. "'Well, go in,' directed the woman, giving Sammy an assisting push. The boy went in and replied very timidly where he had come from and to whom he had belonged. The peasant scratched his head. "'Make quick work of it,' said the woman impatiently, who had followed with her three boys. "'I think we have enough with the three of them, and there are people who might need such a boy.' "'This is quickly decided.' said the peasant thoughtfully, cutting his piece of bread in two. "'Send all four boys out.' After this command had been carried out, he continued slowly, "'There is no help for it. It was stipulated at the time the house was sold. That room must be made in the house, if either Mary Ann, Sammy, or the child should come back. Besides, it is not so bad as it seems. Where three sleep together, there is room for a fourth and he can do some work for his food. The parish can do something for his clothes. His wife had no desire to have a fourth added to her three boys, for her own made enough noise and trouble for her. She protested, saying she knew how it was with such stray children, and they could expect to have a fine time. But it was of no use. It was decided that Sammy should have a place in the house. The farmer brought in the bundle and carried it up to the oldest boy's room, where until now the broad-shouldered Stophy had slept in a bed alone. He could take Sammy in with him, for he was smaller than the other two. Michael and Uli could stay together as before. Then the woman opened the bundle. She was not a little surprised when she found inside not only Sammy's clothes, all in the best of order, but also two good dresses, aprons, and neckerchiefs. She called Sammy up to her and showed him the corner in the chest, where she had put his things. Then she said she would take the woman's clothes for herself, since he could surely make no use of them. The clothes which his grandmother had always worn were so dear to Sammy that he looked on with sad eyes as they were carried away, but he thought it had to be so. He had already made the acquaintance of the three boys. They had shown him, 
below in front of the house how one of them could best throw down the others and had demonstrated all sorts of useful tricks but as each tried to outdo the others in showing off his knowledge a struggle ensued and the tricks were immediately applied one threw another over the third sammy was knocked and thrown around by all three when he now came down from his room a voice from the barn called out come here and help pull sammy ran along there stood the two younger boys michael and uli with great hoes on their shoulders and stophy beside a cart which had to be taken along they waited for their father and then all went out to the field here stophy and sammy had to rake together the grass which the father cut and loaded on the cart and bring home to the cows michael and uli had to hoe the weeds in the next field nearby now it appeared that sammy did not know at all how to use the rake for he had never done such work he shall weed with uli and michael can do this work said the farmer but when sammy tried to do this the hoe was too heavy for him and he could do nothing then kneel on the ground and pull them up with your hands said the farmer sammy squatted down and pulled at the weeds with all his might the ground was hard and the work very tiresome but sammy did not forget how his grandmother had impressed it upon him to do all his work well and willingly at noon the two weeders took their hoes on their shoulders and sammy had to pull the cart which was now much heavier than on the way there the boy had to use all his strength for stophy showed him plainly that he would not take upon himself the larger part of the work then when they passed by the field the father indicated to each one the piece he would have to weed that afternoon for he himself would be obliged to go to the cattle market they would find a smaller hoe at home for sammy to take with him in the afternoon for pulling up the weeds was too slow work after the boys had worked several hours in the afternoon they sat down in the shade of an old apple tree to eat their luncheon and the piece of black bread with pear juice tasted very good after the hot work have you ever seen a bear asked stophy of sammy he said he had not then you would be fearfully frightened if you should suddenly see one continued stophy only those who know them are not afraid of them this evening there is to be one in the village and as i am almost through with my piece in the field you can finish it so i can go early to see the bear sammy agreed when all four had begun to hoe again stophy soon exclaimed well you won't have much more to do now sammy but keep your promise or stophy doubled up his fist and sammy understood what that meant he had hardly gone when michael said see sammy there isn't much left of mine you can do that too i am going to see the bear whereupon michael ran off me too cried uli throwing down his hoe you could finish that also sammy when the twilight came on and the family put the sour milk and the steaming potatoes on the table sammy was missing i suppose he will keep us waiting remarked the farmer's wife sharply when all had finished and the milk mugs were empty the woman cleared them away and placed the few potatoes left over on the kitchen table and growled he can eat here if he wants anything it was quite dark and sammy still had not come just as the other three were being sent to bed he came in so tired he could hardly stand the woman asked him harshly if he couldn't come home with the others the farmer assumed that the piece he had told sammy to weed had been too much for him to do and he said consolingly it is right that you wanted to finish your work but you must work faster 
Sammy understood the signs which Stofy made behind his father's back, that he was to keep silent about the bear, and he was too much afraid of the three boys' fists to say anything about it. He preferred to go straight to bed, for he was too tired to eat, but he couldn't go to sleep. He had received so many new impressions, he had borne so much anguish, and had to do so much work besides, he could think of nothing else. But now his grandmother came before his eyes again, as she had prayed with him at evening, and had been so kind to him, and everything she had told him. He wanted so much to pray. It seemed to him as if his grandmother was near, and told him the dear Lord would always comfort him if he prayed, and that comfort he was so anxious to have. He was so troubled when he wondered if he could do his work the next day, so that the farmer would not be cross, and how his wife would be, for he was very much afraid of her, and how it would be with the boys who forced him to make everything appear contrary to the truth. Then Sammy began to pray, and prayed for a long time, for he already began to feel comforted, because he could take refuge with the dear Lord and ask him to help him, now that he had no one left in the world to whom he could speak, and who could assist him. When at last his eyes closed from the great weariness, he dreamed he was sitting with his grandmother on the wall, and above them all the birds were singing so loud and so joyfully that he had to sing with them. Only trust the dear Lord. End of chapter 3